Hello, this is James Dimitriadis. And this is James M. Neeland. Welcome to Cromwell Listens, the podcast about town for April 30th, 2020. With each current episode, Cromwell Listens will try to connect you with our community leaders as we try to weather this pandemic. While we can't get together in person, we hope that this podcast will help you feel connect- connected to the community we all love, hopefully reassured, and most importantly, informed. Last episode, we were joined by Cromwell Mayor Enzo Faenza. Today, we are joined by State Senator Matthew Lesser. Senator Lesser, thank you for joining us on Cromwell Listens during this challenging time. Thank you, James. It's my pleasure. Uh, starting from scratch, pardon, for those not familiar with the roles and their terms, what is a state senator? Well, thank you for that question. Uh, the state legislature is composed of a state house of representatives and a state senate. Uh, I've done both jobs now uh, in the state senate. I, I'm one of 36 uh, senators. Uh, we each represent uh, a district. So uh, I represent uh, five towns uh, in central Connecticut, including uh, But uh, I have two main jobs. One is uh, representing the about 100,000 people that I represent. Uh, and the other part uh, is writing laws uh, affecting uh, the state as a whole. Uh, so I'm an advocate uh, for those folks, but I'm also uh, uh, a statewide uh, policy maker, and I've got uh, a number of different hats, uh, different things that I focus on uh, as a statewide uh, advocate in my role as Thank you. Now, you represent the ninth senatorial district, correct? That's right. What towns does that include? So it includes uh, most of Middletown, all of Cromwell, uh, Rocky Hill, uh, and Newington, and then part of the town of Wethersfield. Okay. And there are many voices within the district, any district. Uh, how do you manage, Senator, to balance viewpoints and positions for all of those you represent? That's a great question. And, and uh, one of the things you are most challenged by are when there are issues that affect different parts of the district differently. Uh, what I try to do is just be as accessible as possible. So uh, that's particularly challenging right now during the coronavirus pandemic because uh, I love holding uh, town hall forums or going door to door and community meetings. Uh, obviously, those are much more challenging uh, at the time of the pandemic. Uh, but, but people can reach me uh, by phone. Uh, I do uh, a lot uh, of work on social media. Uh, and, of course, uh, email and letters. Uh, come in as well. Those are all ways that folks could uh, me, and I, I really rely on that because I am uh, good at a few things and bad at other things, but I am a terrible mind reader. Uh, so if there's an issue that's important to the families in the Ninth District, uh, it's so important that I hear directly uh, directly from folks so I, I can uh, you know, be aware of it if it's a problem. Uh, sometimes I can uh, just might be able to solve it. Uh, that, that is the most gratifying part of being a state senator is when you when you find a family that's uh, a small business that's uh, facing uh, a problem, uh, working with them just to find a solution. Thank you. Yeah, keeping in touch, it's very important. In 2018, you successfully ran to replace retiring State Senator Paul Doyle. Now, prior to that, you served as state rep for the 100th District in Middletown, I believe. What made you decide to pursue a political path? Well, that's a good question. I, you know, there are folks out there 
who from the age of five decide they, they belong in politics, they want to be president <laughs> of the United States someday. Yeah. Uh, and God bless those folks. Uh, that wasn't me. Uh, I uh, took a different route. Uh, I was really trying to focus on uh, uh, working behind the scenes, helping uh, focus on policy. I, I was uh, interested in a lot of uh, issues, but I didn't see myself uh, as a candidate. And then one day, uh, I got a call uh, asking me to run for office. Uh, and it usually doesn't work that way, but that, that's how I, I wound up uh, running uh, for uh, office in the first place. And I wound up doing it, uh, running for office in Middletown, uh, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was something that I never thought I would uh, be good at, uh, but uh, people thought that I did do well at it, and I, I enjoyed it. And uh, uh, I, uh, I served for uh, a number of years in the State House of Representatives, uh, and enjoyed uh, that and fought for uh, my constituency. Uh, and then when Senator Doyle decided uh, not to run for re-election, uh, I threw my hat in for the state Senate. So it's been a real honor uh, to have this uh, current seat and to get to uh, know the towns of Cromwell, Rocky Hill, New England, Weathersfield, uh, as I uh, previously served as folks in Middletown. Oh. Thank you. Now, when you were first elected, you were one of the youngest elected officials in the state. Has your youth been either an advantage or a handicap, and do you see any kind of generational divide? Well, you know, I, I think that uh, it can be a little bit of both. Uh, uh, when I was first elected, I, I uh, uh, had a lot of energy, but I didn't have uh, a detailed background in, in some of the subject matter areas that I wound up working on, mm -hmm. you learn a lot on the job. And I think one of the things that, that all good legislators do uh, is they learn every single day. I'm uh, on seven different uh, committees right now. I chair one, I'm vice chair of uh, two others. Mm. Uh, and it doesn't matter how much you think you know, uh, you're constantly uh, learning, you're drinking from a fire hose right. uh, about all sorts of important policy issues. As a young person, though, I think you bring in uh, a different uh, perspective. I think the legislature works best when you've got people from different uh, life stages, from people with different uh, life experiences, uh, because that, I think, is really uh, important, that everybody is represented uh, up in Hartford and that you get a variety of different viewpoints. So I think representation matters. Uh, sometimes, I, you know, I think I was... Uh, underestimated along the way, and, and that's okay. Mm. Uh, and uh, but I but I think for the most part, uh, and certainly now I, I've been in the legislature for a while. Uh, it's no it's no longer an issue. Like people think we quite serious. Thank you. Now, of all the committees you are involved on, and all the people with whom you do work, is there any project or bill, either now or upcoming, proposed that you're particularly proud of? Well, I'm, yes, I, I, there, are, there are a couple that I would really focus on. One, uh, uh, I would we'll talk about uh, that we did last year was passing mental health parity. Uh, I'm the chair of the insurance committee, and uh, for years uh, we have had a, a two-tier system where we treat uh, diseases of the body differently than we treat uh, diseases of the mind. You know, we're talking about uh, mental health issues or, or substance abuse and making sure that insurance coverage uh, treats everyone the same has been so important. So last year, uh, we were able to pass mental health parity. That was a law that I uh, was really honored to, to take 
take on, uh, and I think it's going to make a big difference uh, for folks all across the state. And, you know, one of the hidden costs of the coronavirus uh, is the mental toll uh, yes. that it's taking on so many folks, including uh, essential workers, uh, family members of those uh, who are battling COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, and making sure that those folks can get the health care they need is, is really a priority of mine. Um, going forward as well, uh, I'm hoping we can pass uh, what will be the strongest uh, cap in the country uh, on the type of insulin. Uh, you know, this was a drug that was given away to the world uh, in the 1920s when it was first discovered. The, the inventor uh, gave it away for uh, $1, uh, the patent for the insulin. Uh, and yet, we're seeing families in, in Farwell and uh, the other towns I represent who are paying uh, dollars a month for insulin and other diabetes supplies. Uh, and they're going bankrupt uh, as a sign of the forward life-saving uh, medicine. So I think we can pass uh, this year when things get safe enough for us to, to vote on uh, person, uh, the strongest uh, cap in the country. So that's something I'm, I'm championing. It's actually Senate Bill uh, number one this year, which is a sign that it's the top priority of the state Senate. But uh, I'm, I'm running the lead on that because that's through my committee. Medical issue is very, very important. And you probably just, you kind of segue into my next question, Senator. Uh, looking forward to your agenda, what are some of your biggest priorities? Well, the, the, everything is worked right now uh, by the issue of COVID-19. Uh, we have a public health catastrophe uh, crisis, uh, and we also have an economic crisis. Uh, a huge number of people out of work. Uh, and so supporting uh, the towns, supporting people who are out of work, uh, and helping our hospitals and our, our public health systems respond to this crisis uh, has got to be priority number one, two, and three. Uh, we, were, we were very lucky. Uh, my first year in office, we were able to increase funding for, for every community that I represent. Uh, and, you know, there was an was a opportunity to, uh, to coast on some really good times. Uh, but now this is a, an unparalleled and challenging time. So. Uh, I'm working, you know, 18 hours a day trying to uh, respond to this pandemic, supporting uh, nursing homes and, and, and healthcare workers, and just making sure that we're solving uh, issues as they come up. And, and every day is something new to this pandemic. But uh, there are a lot of folks out there uh, in uh, who are struggling right now, either for health reasons or economically or both. Uh, and my my only focus is, is really on uh, helping our communities recover. Thank you, Senator. Now, expanding on that, if you don't mind, because Connecticut, like the rest of the nation, had been in a decade-long recovery from the Great Recession. And now with the challenges we're facing due to COVID-19, uh, we have renewed crises. And I realize it's a very broad topic, but expanding on the issues you touched on a moment ago, what are some of the things that you could do or that Hartford is doing and your colleagues are doing to attempt to mitigate the damage and place our state back on track to normalcy? And you can address that either in economic or health-related concerns, notably with support for, say, small businesses, community hospitals, and other local issues. Well, that's a great question, and, and it, it's hard to even know where to begin because there's so many different things right. that are on the table. Uh, but uh, one, uh, I think the most important thing to emphasize is that the way to uh, get the economy back on track is to first uh, control the pandemic. Uh, this is uh, a economic crisis that's driven by the public health crisis. So we've got to focus on uh, keeping people safe. So, you know, over 60,000 Americans uh, have died at this point. 
uh, over 2,000 people in Connecticut. Uh, and our Senate district is actually one of the most affected parts of the state of Connecticut. There's been people who uh, died in each town that I represent, uh, over 100. Uh, it is a huge, huge challenge. So we've got to tackle that public health crisis. Uh, but there is a lot more that uh, we have to do, too. Uh, you know, I've been focused for years on uh, the issue of student debt. I wrote something called the Student Loan Bill of Rights when I was back in the House, uh, where Connecticut was the first state in the country to regulate the student loan industry. Uh, and the reason that's important to this is because when I'm talking to, uh, I, I was at the Connecticut Valley Hospital yesterday, uh, and they were telling me that they were struggling uh, to get doctors uh, to provide uh, needed medical care. And, and the reason is because uh, of student loan. Uh, doctors uh, saw that as a huge barrier to, to coming into to Connecticut and working in a public health setting. Uh, so that was uh, one one struggle right, right there, there for essential workers and uh, there's a, a lot more that we should be doing to support uh, our construction industry uh, and use uh, infrastructure as one of the ways to, to jumpstart uh, our economic recovery. Uh, there's a, an awful lot. we got a, uh, you know, a lot of uh, uh, different issues depending on what sector of the economy. I'm very worried about the future of our hospital sector. Uh, believe it or not, hospitals uh, have lost a, a ton of money uh, in the recession, uh, in the, in the uh, pandemic, uh, as they canceled non-essential uh, medical care. And so making sure that uh, we get hospital workers uh, who can furlough uh, back into uh, employment is going to be critical, keeping those, uh, those hospitals afloat. Because uh, even though you're right that you know, Connecticut's economy uh, uh, you know, took a long time uh, to recover, really one of the, the strongest parts of our economy over the last 10 years uh, the higher education uh, and uh, healthcare; those are two uh, of the most affected sectors uh, right now in the pandemic. Thank you, Senator Lesser. And uh, in relation to small businesses, what is the state doing now to mitigate some of the damage? One is the first thing we did was provide a, a bridge loan to small businesses through the Department of Economic and Community Development. Uh, and that was uh, to tie folks over while uh, we were waiting for the federal PPP program uh, and other aid to come online. And that's, uh, that's now available. The PPP program uh, is uh, slowly to some of our area businesses. I've heard from uh, some that have received uh, grants uh, through that, but uh, it has been really frustrating. Uh, to get that assistance out uh, to the folks who most need it. Uh, we know that uh, small businesses are most affected uh, by the pandemic. And a lot of people are trying to figure out how to uh, stay afloat uh, right now. Uh, and so I spent a lot of time uh, trying to troubleshoot uh, with some of the, like, our area businesses on how, on how they can make things work. Uh, it looks like the Chamber of Commerce have been real lifelines uh, as well. Uh, and then the one new thing that the Congress has made available uh, is extending unemployment insurance to cover independent contractors, mm-hmm. uh, to cover uh, people with uh, sick uh, economy workers uh, and self-employed individuals. And that's something that's in mind uh, as we speak in Connecticut. The applications are currently getting processed at the Department of Labor. We're hoping to get money out to them uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, thank you. Now, you've been hosting virtual meetings with your constituents each week for your Facebook page. 
Uh, what are you hearing from our fellow residents? And you can plug the Facebook page if you'd like to. Like, what are you hearing, and where can folks uh, where can folks reach you on Facebook? Yeah, so that's a great question. So we've been doing uh, tele-town halls, uh, Facebook Lives. I- I've been trying to get people everywhere I can remotely. Uh, and if you want to follow me on Facebook, uh, the best way to do that is at uh, Matt Lester CC. Uh, that's L-E-S-S-E-R-C-T. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at, at Matt Lester. Uh, but we've been, uh, I've been hearing all, all sorts of issues uh, from folks, uh, a lot relating to uh, how do you get tested, uh, questions about uh, our plans for uh, reopening the uh, parts of the economy, for about education, uh, and about health insurance. So a lot of folks, uh, not, when you lose your job, not only do you lose a source of income, uh, but often you lose your health insurance as well. Uh, and that's been a, a huge challenge, making sure that uh, the people who need to get uh, access to testing and treatment uh, can do so regardless uh, of whether or not they have, uh, what kind of health insurance they have or whether or not they have health insurance at all. Uh, so that's been something I've spent an awful lot of time uh, focused on. Uh, and, yes, uh, unemployment insurance has been a big question, although uh, I will say the Department of Labor, which has gotten over 400,000 patients uh, over the past uh, six weeks, this is years and years worth uh, in just a very short period of time. Uh, they've largely caught up with that backlog, but we've spent a lot of time helping uh, constituents uh, access unemployment insurance as well. Thank you. Keeping people informed, especially on social media now, that's that's very important. Now, uh, James, would you like to ask the last question about Cromwell? Sure. Uh, <laughs> Senator Lesser, we appreciate you taking the time to join us here on uh, uh, Cromwell Listens. We realize you re- represent an entire district, but if we could push for a plug, what are your se- some of your favorite things about the town of Cromwell? Uh, that That is a, uh, a great question. Uh, the uh, uh, I, I really, really love the uh, uh, treat uh, that uh, happened uh, uh, right around uh, Halloween. Uh, that is a really uh, oh, yeah. uh, uh, a great part of Cromwell. <laughs> and I love the breakfast that Mitchell's on May uh, that yeah. uh, keeps me going uh, during tough uh, legislative session. I miss uh, them both, and I'm hoping we can get back to normal just as quickly as possible. Yes, please. And uh, thank you for plugging the uh, Halloween. We did a, the Cromwell Children's Coalition did a big uh, Pumpkins in the Park this past year. And we hope to be able to do that again come October. It'll be lovely. I know that James, Dimitriotis, you're doing a lot with the uh, the Creative District. Yeah, absolutely. When we actually, speaking of Mitchells on Main, we just uh, had a um, rock scavenger hunt. And Mitchells on Main, uh, we had a gift card for Mitchells on Main for our winner. Uh, $5 gift card there. They are open for to-go, uh, as are a lot of the restaurants in, in town. So we appreciate the plug for Mitchell's and, and for the holiday in Maine. That's a lot of fun. Awesome. And Senator Lesser, please thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and I apologize again for these remotely re- remote recording primitive audio capture conditions. I apologize. But again, thank you for joining us. We hope to be able to speak to you again soon. Oh, it's been an honor and great to, to be on this uh, podcast, and I'm excited to listen to future episodes. Thank you. For Cromwell Listens, I'm James M. Neeland. And I'm James Dimitriotis, hoping you will join us next time. Until then, Cromwell, stay strong, stay safe. We will get through this together.
We are one community. We'll get through this together. Thank you.